Welcome to this week's Priority Now podcast, encouraging women to become better disciples of Jesus. Every week we hear from women just like us that are being intentional to know Jesus more and to make him known. Here's your host, Carmen Halsey. Hey ladies, and welcome to this week's Priority Now podcast. I'm glad you're joining us this week. And this week I have with us Mrs. Cheryl Dorsey right out of Chicagoland. Good morning, Cheryl. Good morning. Cheryl, I really need to learn to punch the record button sooner because we've already had such rich conversation that I think, <laughs> why didn't you grab that, Carmen? But tell the ladies listening in a little bit about who Cheryl is. Cheryl, hence Dorsey, my, my maiden name and my married name. And when I went into professional life, it was the late 70s, the 80s, and women were trying to be seen for all of who we are. So when I got married, I had been working for several years in management as Cheryl Hence. So I became Cheryl Hence Dorsey. So if you're a friend of mine on Facebook, you'll see Cheryl Hence Dorsey. I am the daughter of a Church of God in Christ missionary that my mom was would that would be the equivalent of WMU they did home missions my father was an elder in that church as, as well so that's my background I have been Southern Baptist since I was 15 years old that came to be because as a child in a Pentecostal family we went to church all the time we went to church from the time the door open before Sunday school. We were there. We were through Sunday school, morning worship. We would eat dinner there. Uh, they made the best yeast rolls. We and, and they didn't have an afternoon service. And the Pentecostal equivalent of BTU was YPWW, which is Young People's Willing Workers. So we would have that and there would be a broadcast, all that stuff. So we were always in church. Well, my mom and dad broke up. Their marriage broke up, and my mom was a victim of a domestic violence inside the church, you know, in a church setting. Everybody was saved, but that's what happened. And uh, she fled for her safety. She left Detroit with a dollar. My father would only leave her with a dollar because he didn't want her to be able to get away. So that was enough to feed four kids. But he had promised that if she was home when he got home that day, he was going to kill her. So my mom got all of us. We were stair steps. We all fit under the uh, the railing on the bus. When you get it, step up on a public bus, there's a, a rail there. And if children were shorter than the rail, they got on for free. So my mom took the dollar that was supposed to be for milk and bread, and we were all under the railing, and she got us on a bus. We went across town to her brother, who is a jazz, great jazz musician in Detroit, Michigan, and he called the family, and they got us on the train in the middle of the night to Chicago. And so we came to Chicago, and uh, after what my mom got a job, and we moved to the south suburbs eventually. And I was praising the Lord because even when we moved to Chicago, my uncle was a, a deacon in the Baptist church. And I'm like, huh. and so we were going to church again. And then when we moved to the suburbs, we moved to a, a new housing development and there was no church and there was no bus and my mom didn't have a car. And I was I was a happy teenager. And uh, suddenly the Southern Baptists planted back in the day, they called it a mission. And they planted a mission in the grammar school, which was around the corner from my house. 
And I was just sure my mom would not dare go there because they were Baptists, right? So she got us brushed up, cleaned off, shined us up within an inch of our life and and dragged her four kids to church. And that's where our connection came. And so I've been doing that. They, They let me at the age of 16, let me teach the babies. I guess they figured I couldn't hurt them too much. So I've been teaching Sunday school since I was 16. Wow. I graduated from babies all the way up and I teach adults now at our church and we sang in our family so we were always worshipers and and praise leaders and president of the choir for about 11 years and directed our choir and was very happy with that and the lord sat and one year he said do you love me Cheryl?" and he's i said you know i love you lord he said i want you to stop singing and i said satan the lord rebuke you that's That's the devil. That's and so I, but it, it, that went on for a while. It wouldn't leave me alone. That nagging feeling that I needed to set something down. It wouldn't leave me. The entire time now, I've been going to work. Uh, I wanted to be a librarian. On the road to to being a librarian, I found out I was very good at business and logistics and customer service and administration. So I kept getting promoted in my side jobs that I was only taking because the company had tuition reimbursement. So these are parallel tracks that I was growing in my relationship with the Lord and God was blessing me because some of my talent, I could sing and I could direct and I could teach, but I also was good at business and logistics and planning and administration and those kinds of things. And so that was going on at the same time. So I'm having success there. And then the Lord told me to sit down from what I was doing in terms of singing and directing and, and so forth. And after I realized that that was not the devil, it really was the Lord. And I sat there for a year and it was just me and the Lord in my, my Bible study time and going to church, just, just like any other member. And I had to hear people sing my solos because they're not going to stop singing that song because it's a good song. But at the end of that year, my pastor had said, came to the church council and said, I'm burnt out and I can't hand, I'm just tired. I just need time off. I'm just whatever. And the Lord said, now, Cheryl, mm-hmm. I want you to start a prayer ministry and I want to use you in prayer. And because I had been talking to him because my heart was broken and I was mourning was what really was going on. I was grieving and mourning the singing and the directing and the, the upfrontness of that, all of that. I was missing that. And so to heal myself of that, I was constantly going to him and saying, are you sure? Is this really right? This is what you want me to do? And then he said, now you need to pray for your pastor. You need to raise up people in your church to pray for your pastor. And I'm going to let you sing again. But now you're going to be singing not for people. You're going to be singing for me. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be singing as it relates to guiding people in. He really showed me that for me, music was merely a way of approaching the throne of grace and going into his presence. And so that's how I got into prayer ministry. He said, you're going to teach, you're going to be speaking to people, you're going to be sharing this, training others and raising up. But it started with me raising up four ladies to pray for our pastor every Wednesday. Uh, I called it the secret service. Uh, because uh, he said, invite these four women. And I said, Lord, you know, I'm Baptist and we got to we got to put it in the bulletin and we got to tell everybody and tell you to do that. I just said, ask these four women. I had a funny moment in the in the four women he gave me. One lady was best friend with another woman. And he asked me to ask the one lady and not the other woman. And I said, well, Lord, you know that Paulette is best friends with Doris. I can't ask Doris without asking Paulette. 
because they'll feel upset. They're best friends. He said, no, just ask Doris. So, I, 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 you know, and I'm like giddy and I'm like, Lord, let me just, just. And so it was like, Lord said, all right, Cheryl, go ahead and ask Paulette. Just ask Paulette what she's doing on Wednesday morning. And so I, I went to Paulette. So he wouldn't let me ask her to be in the prayer meeting. But I did say, Paulette, what are you doing on Wednesday morning? So oh, I work Wednesday. And as soon as she said that, then the Lord said, didn't I tell you? Not to ask Paulette, because I knew Paulette couldn't come. So that's how we started. I called it the Secret Service. Nobody knew we were there for about a year. Uh-huh. We were meeting every Wednesday morning and praying for our pastor. He got better and, and returned to the church, and we began to see changes in our neighborhoods, in our church. We began a prayer walking ministry. So that was going on, and at the same time when that was growing Lord was growing me on the job. And so I was I was having success. Um, I was without children for the first 11 years we were married, could not have children. A matter of some consternation for me. I grew up in such a way, you know, I didn't date. And so the Lord had to send my husband to my church. In that whole process, you know, I remained pure and all this other business. We got married and loved each other, and God talked to us about how he would use us both in ministry. We both came to that awareness while we were dating and engaged, and we got married after five months and could not have kids, had a couple of miscarriages, and my husband taught in the inner city. A number of the young ladies in his school were having babies, and this was a grammar school, and he taught sixth grade, and one of his sixth graders was pregnant. And I was just crying before the Lord. And I said, Lord, I'm living my life the way I understand that I'm supposed to live it as a young woman. And I'm giving my heart to you. And so it was a really hard year. I had trouble going to malls. I had trouble seeing baby carriages. I had trouble seeing young women walking by with babies. And and Mm -hmm. my husband was a teacher and I had a good job in management, mid-level manager. Just we could not have kids. And so it was in this time of prayer where, you know, I was I was working out and and I said, okay, Lord, I'll I'll start talking to you because I had gotten a little ambivalent. So I'll tell you what, Lord, I'll uh, I'll give you my cool down. Mm -hmm. So arrogant. And, 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 you know, in exercise, after aerobics and all the other stuff you do, there's a cool down time when you stretch and you this and the other. So after I finished my videos and I'd be there was a cool down period and there was a yoga position or something where I'm on my knees with my my nose almost to the ground over my knees. My arms are behind me. And I said, here's what I'll do, Lord. I'll stick my Bible under my nose while I'm down there. And I'll start reading scripture and, and, and talk to you sometime. When that happened, I found myself cramping because the 15 minute cool down, I'd exercise 45 minutes. I'd have a 15 minute cool down. I started cramping because I'd end up being down there for an hour and mm-hmm. two hours and three hours because the Lord was just talking to me. And I would write and I would pray. I would write the scripture and I would have what I called uh, Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit teaching flash, where he would give me insight on the scripture that I was saying. And I would run the scripture and I would look up references and start praying about the things that I had learned. So it was a powerful time of learning as well and and how he birthed prayer in me and prayer ministry in me and it was just a wonderful time so i was growing there he get he told me in 
in that prayer time that he told me one day, Cheryl, you're going to, I was studying in the Old Testament and I got past Joseph. He said, and by the way, because I would write and pray and write and study and pray. And I was writing about Joseph and I said, your son's name is going to be Joseph, Cheryl. And I, and I wrote that down. And, then, and I said, he said, now, what does Joseph mean? And so I went back and I looked up what the name Joseph meant. And the name Joseph means God gives the increase. Mm-hmm. And so that's where he told me that he was going to give me increase. And no matter what I had gone through with past miscarriages and not having kids for 11 years, we were going to have a baby. And so when I wrote that in my notebook, I took my journal and I was praising the Lord in my home. My husband got home from school that day and I'm waving my journal in his face. God said we're having a son and his name is going to be Joseph because he's going to give us increase. <laughs> and he was used to me now. So he patted me on the top of my head and said, OK, honey, you know, but surely sure enough one year later joseph was here amen and so that built my faith at my trusting in, in the lord and so yeah. i guess that's where this whole relationship me learning to hear him and listen and, I, and it was like that was like that was like money in the bank i mean i don't know what the name of the guy was who would deliver the the checks from publishers clearinghouse yeah and it was that day that moment was like ed mcmahon had come to my home with one of those checks but instead it was the lord who said you're going to have a son and his name is going to be Joseph. Okay, can I just say that I'm a little bummed that it took me asking you to be on a podcast to get to hear a lot of this story. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm just a little disappointed in myself right now. Okay. And ladies, if you're listening, this is an example of what I mean by our community. We're stronger together as God takes our stories and weaves them together. And we're able to share our stories to leverage them, you know, to learn from other people's stories. So so here's your commercial I give every week. If you're not connected with us, get connected. We're just ordinary women with this extraordinary God. And the way that manifests in our lives may look a little bit different, but we're all rooted in that identity in Christ. And so if you're not connected, get connected. You can find us on Facebook at Illinois Baptist Women. Follow us on Instagram at, at Illinois Baptist Women or check out resources on our website at ibsa.org backslash women. You know, Cheryl, you have shared so much and I'm so grateful. And anybody that knows me and you do, Cheryl, you know, I've took a list of notes for when this podcast is over of just like, God, what are you doing in her life now? Because you, I love how you, you pointed out to us, God wastes nothing. So here's this past that has some painful pieces, but not all of it was painful. You see how your mom led and influenced without necessarily being taught leadership. You know, she but she was taught it because she knew steadfast, right? Being grounded and she she modeled for you what it looked like to trust God. She modeled for you what it looked like to use her brain. Okay, all four of you is under this rail. You know, I mean, so she was a woman of intelligence, but sometimes we miss that because we want God to do the greater thing. And that's what I love about you sharing the story about the singing too, right? We want him to do the greater thing that we're almost like, I'll pause and wait till it gets here. Or, or can I say we're doing it for the right reasons, but something shifted in our heart that, that we move, we, we wondered what's that song. We, Lord, I know I'm prone to wonder, right? Based mm-hmm. on the scripture and we don't even know it, but he loves us that much that he's in such the details to bring us back, to bring us back and, and work that out because he's moving us to the next 
thing. And it's not about fame. It's about influence and impact. And you referenced Joseph. We couldn't talk a better story. You know, Joseph, it was painful. But there was always the next thing, the next move that he didn't have it on his radar. But God well did, you know, in many, many, many people's lives and stories were, you know, were dependent, were dependent on that. So, so I just want to say personally, thank you, you know, for sharing that part of the story, because it helped Carmen this morning. It helped Carmen this morning. Cheryl, one of the things, and we'll only have a few minutes here, but I, but I want to ask you, you've done such a good job letting the women hear how God has had your foot, yes, in vocational ministry, but it was ministry before it was vocational ministry, right? Married to a pastor, but that foot in that business world too, that marketplace, and how he used those resources to, to build you up and to train you for what he's got you doing over here in the ministry side. And I love your words. These two were, these were two parallel tracks, very different. Sometimes we miss that. You know, we, we almost feel sorry for ourselves. Like I, I hear this from women all the time. I want to be in ministry. I want to be in ministry. God's called me to ministry. And, and I get it. I get their heart. It's sincere, but never miss what God's doing, you know, because he's built, I was walking this morning and listening to the Evans family and Priscilla, um, I was, I think it's their new book after they've went through their season of suffering. Um, Priscilla referenced the karate kid, you know, he went, he wanted to have these expertise karate skills, you know, and so he went and it was just like so disillusioned because every day what it was like clean the house, wax the car. But it was only when, when life came at him, when he, when he was so frustrated, like, this is what I came for. This is not what I signed up for. When he threw him a punch he was able to block the punch to realize training was happening but sometimes we come into life ladies with this picture of what we think it should look like or what we've been taught it should like and God's ways aren't our ways but it doesn't mean that he's not working Cheryl here's a practical question because I do know prayer ministry is is a big piece of what God has you doing but it's a piece it's only one portion and I'm all about practical and application and people modeling it for me and you've already done that in sharing some of your story How do you know when God's talking to you? You've said that several times now. You know, how does the confidence come? And I don't want just the generic answer. Oh, well, Carmen, he speaks it through his word. I know that. But I think the ladies want to hear there's a confidence in your voice. You know, you're sitting here referencing like you talking back and forth to God, like you and I are talking back and forth, like he's verbally answering. How do you how do you know confidently when it's God's voice that's speaking to you? It's not only when I carve out space for him, but I will say that I hear him most clearly when I make room for him. And I hear him at other times as well. And it'll be in a, he'll talk to me in a context and in a way that helps me apply that scripture to my situation here in Park Forest, Illinois. And I get the confidence is a piece uh for instance when when he told me to stop singing you know it's not like i'm super hyper intelligent i studied emotional intelligence and stuff but still (laughs) when he when he told me to stop singing when he pruned me my flesh didn't i i wasn't comfortable with that so i kept checking lord is this you lord is this you but i didn't i no longer had peace or joy in the singing at the in that moment because he had told me to stop. So I could continue. I continued to sing for for about. It probably took me about thirty days that time because I'm like I'm doing godly stuff. But that godly thing was something a, a pleasure of mine, and I, I needed to make space 
for what he wanted to do in my life. And so to answer the question, I got a peace. I didn't have peace until I obeyed. Yeah, that's good. And so it was, so then like every time I got up to sing or every time I got up to direct, it, it was like the Holy Spirit was like, you know, you're not supposed to be here right now, aren't you? You know, you're not supposed to be standing here right now, aren't you? Mm. You know, so I was. Uh, and so after about <laughs> within a 30 day period, it was like, I got to quit because I'm feeling condemned now because I've been told not to do something and I'm continuing to do it. Even though I don't know what the Lord has me to do, even though I see no path out of this, what, yeah. you know, this just looks like pain. Yeah. It doesn't look like a roadway. I did, couldn't see the roadway. So I got, I, I got a peace when I obeyed and I also get a peace when I hear from him and I know that's him. There's a certain peace. So wherever I was fretful before and worrying, that, that kind of goes away. I get that peace. I get a, a sense of peace. And when I'm trying to move somewhere where he tells me not to go, I don't have peace. Mm. And since he is the prince of peace and he's not the author of confusion, I yeah. got to lean into peace. Uh, one of my favorite things, we were taking my kids to school and they both went to ORU and uh, we were past these casinos, and back in the day, the casinos were either almost free or all you could eat for about five dollars. And my my son was like, "Mom, we can go here and eat. We can all we can eat. We can all we can eat." And I was like, "Right, <laughs> no, baby, we can't go there because it's casinos, and and we don't want we want to abstain from the appearance of evil, so we can't go there." So so I was trying to explain that to my son. So there's some things I just can't do because I don't have that peace in doing it. So yeah. for me, yeah. that hearing that voice. Yeah. Whether it's a scripture, whether it's a song, whether it's confirmation of a thought in prayer when I'm journaling, whatever it is, I have to have peace about it. And that confidence comes from knowing that I'm being obedient to the one who's given me the instruction. That's great. That's that's really good. That's really good. Ladies, I have to wind down the podcast. This is always the hard part for me because I could continue to talk. But I'm going to share um, Cheryl's contact information in the episode notes. They can use Kintashi. That's a name from my youth. K as in Katie, E-N, T as in Tom, A, S as in Sam, H as in Harry, I, at LOL.com. That's cool. Kintashi. Now, what is that again? What would you say? When I grew up in the 70s, it was all about the, the black revolution. It was say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. And so many people were trying to go back to their African roots. And as a 16, 17 year old kid, it was important to me that people understood that my roots, the reason I'm Cheryl Hence Dorsey is important too. And my mom's name, Shurik, became from, you know, it was passed on from who owned the slaves in South Carolina and North Carolina, where my mom was from. And, and he, my my father's folks were enslaved in Henderson, Tennessee and all that business. So that's where the Hence part came from. So I, I was I was kind of being cocky and I made up a name, uh, <laughs> Kikashi, and then Iram Larey, which is the full name is Cheryl Marie backwards. And I said, I don't mind us using these names, but we need to really know where they come from. And really, and I think all, all the years I've been using that, only the one or two uh, folks have known, said, Cheryl, wait, I'm not sure. Is that really African? And, and it was an African person who, who, who caught it. But I guess I was saying to people, don't just grab names because it's trendy. Yeah. But God planted me in the skin I'm in, family I'm in, and that's important. And I want to be identified with my 
African heritage, but my African American heritage is equally as important. It made me who he's using now. Amen. You know, if some of you guys would like to continue this conversation, and I'm sure many of you would. And remember, Cheryl is a Bible teacher, you know, so Cheryl is a leader in our state and and available. Um, She's on the board at Baptist Children's Home and Family Services. Services. Yes, I always got to stop and think of that. But she's available and she's willing to travel a little bit, you know, if she can ever come and teach or speak into your groups. But something new that I've asked Cheryl to be praying about, and and she's leaning towards that, and I'm thrilled, is um, actually facilitating some of our leadership cohorts. Cheryl just finished, you know, graduate degree. She's got tons of experience, like you've already heard her say, you know, a, a strong foot in that business world, a strong foot in vocational ministry. She's raised a family. She's got she's got a few years under her belt where some of you guys might be that leader that that, you know, just that wisdom to be able to to pour into. So so stay on the lookout for that, because we hope to invite you into some of these cohorts where you can maybe be drawn to the facilitator of the cohort because you want that you want that context also. Cheryl, thank you. I mean, thank you so much for sharing your time with me this morning and sharing some of your story, but your heart, but also your ministry with with myself. And, and the other ladies across our state. Thank you for asking me. It's been a pleasure and an honor to talk with you, but I always like talking to my, my favorite Pugin. <laughs> ah, there you go. There you go. All right, ladies, I want to thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. You have a great rest of your Friday. We pray you have a blessed Sabbath. I'll see you back here next Friday on the Priority Now podcast. You've been listening to the Priority Now podcast with host Carmen Halsey. Resources mentioned today are listed in the episode notes in the podcast app. Stay connected with us through social media and our website, ibsa.org women.